1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Joining us right now is our good friend, Chris Fabry. He's an award-winning author and radio personality who hosts the daily program, Chris Fabry Live, which you hear right here on 88.9 Moody Radio. Now, you might not know that he's a graduate of the W. Page Pitt School of Journalism at Marshall University. He's a native of West Virginia, and he likes me best. Hmm. Now, Chris and his wife, Andrea, <laughs> live in Arizona and are the parents of nine children. Chris, great to have you back with us on Mornings with Tom and Tobby. Well, I'm going to say hi to Tavi first because I like you best, Tom. Right? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris. Tavi, it is great to hear your voice. Thank you for waking up early in the morning every day that you guys do this and uh, encourage us and get a smile on our face and uh, not have to have the scrapers. I'm glad for that this morning. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And Chris, we're going to be talking to you this morning about your latest book, which actually drops today. It's called Saving Grayson. And uh, let me ask you this from kind of an author's perspective, uh, because good stories always have this character that finds themselves in trouble What's the trouble for Grayson? Jerry Jenkins would tell me this. Get your character in terrible trouble from the very beginning. And the the book opens with Grayson in his uh, garage, and he's wearing his boxer shorts and nothing else, and he's got a nail gun in his hand, and he doesn't remember why he's there. And so he's in he's in terrible trouble. They're taking away his tools. They're taking away his VW bus that he has been restoring that he can't get to work. And his mind is going, his memory is going, but there's part of Grayson that is still there. And so um, I wanted to go focus on the family reached out to three of us authors, Tamara Alexander, Angela Hunt, and me. And I said, I want to deal with the Alzheimer's journey because there's so many people who are walking that trail and feel alone and feel an awful lot of uh you know, angst with it because it only ends one way and it's not good. And so that's the terrible trouble. How do, how do you, how do you find grace and, and peace and mercy in the middle of this horrific of disease that is going on in the person that you love. And so I, I ran down, I've been three years running down that hole and I feel like the story of Grayson is going to be good, not only for the people who are walking that trail, but also their family members and their friends who are walking beside them, who may be keeping a little bit of distance. And uh, this might kind of close that distance a bit. 
Wow. I know I really appreciate you tackling this topic. It is uh, close to my heart as well. And I know so many people who are dealing with this in their own lives and extended families. Did you get a chance to interview um, lots of people on this who are going through it? Well, uh, through the years, I've been able to do that. One is Mike Glenn, who's over in Nashville. He just retired from his church, and he wrote this book, Coffee with Mama. <laughs> and uh, and it was all about, you know, the, the the hard things that happened with his, you know, conversations with his mom. And I've, I've talked with spouses. You know, we've got a really good treasure trove of people who have walked down this trail. But the, the, the thing that was the impetus for me was – of good friend of mine, you remember what happened to us with our house in uh, in Colorado in yes. uh, 2008, 2009. Well, I did the program from a little pull-along trailer out in front of our house. It was Jim's trailer. Jim's tra- Jim gave me his trailer, and so for a month, I did the show outside in this little trailer. I heard the crows going over, <laughs> over huh. the head. Well, Jim was diagnosed with uh, early onset Alzheimer's just in the last few years, and he's been one of my great friends. And and we sat down over uh, fish and chips at a restaurant here in Tucson, and we're just talking about that and what's going to go on and what's going to happen in your family. And I just got back from the wedding of Jim's daughter, his youngest daughter, who used to knock on our door, you know, ring the doorbell, and all you could see is the top of her head. Well, she just got married, and Jim wanted to walk her down the aisle. And he did, but his eyesight is going. He's shuffling a little more. He doesn't remember. He remembered me. Christopher, how you doing? You know? um, but as they passed us, as uh, Jim and his daughter passed us, she turned to him and said, you're doing great, Dad. You know, I could hear her. And the love that was there between the two, it was as close to this uh, celebration of a wedding. It was as close to a funeral as I've ever gone. Because we were at at the same time of this union, we're saying goodbye to Jim because he's not going to, you know, be all quote unquote all here for very much longer. So it was just this. Uh, it t- tore my heart out to watch this, and at the same time, to make that connection with him. And to have him, you know, tell me about your family. So there are things that he does remember. But if you ask him what he had for breakfast, he couldn't tell you. Wow. Thank you so much for just giving us some of that background as well. And I just want to know you. Grayson is the the main character that you've uh, built around maybe your friend Jim and some others. But he's like an unreliable narrator because he's his memory is leaving. So what problems did you encounter in telling a story from the perspective of somebody that you can always trust what they're saying? Well, it, in one sense, it set me free because he can say anything he wants. He can believe anything. <laughs> he can believe anything he wants, you know, and make it reality because that's his reality. The struggle is then if you see the people around him, the people who care about him, how do, how do they deal with it? How do they keep from sending him into, you know, despair every 10 minutes when he asks, you know, a question about one thing or another? And this is what people who are dealing with Alzheimer's deal with all the time. Uh, a, a person, let's say, whose spouse is has died and they ask, you know, well, where is he or where is she? 
you re-injure that person every 10 minutes by telling them the truth. And so you, you learn these coping strategies and mechanisms to, to allow that person to be comforted, but at this, without telling them necessarily, the, well, she died 10 years ago, you know, uh, and re-injuring that person every time. You learn ways to move and, and breathe and kind of change around that person to keep them from some of the pain that they would inflict in them uh, every time they ask the question. We're in a conversation with Chris Fabry right now. He has written a new book called Saving Grayson, and it tackles the issue of dementia and Alzheimer's through this character named Grayson. And Chris, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about um, our fact that as believers, just uh, human nature really is to avoid suffering at all costs, right? That's one of the things that we try and do. But I wanted to to have you speak to that because that's a theme that you tackle with this story. Yeah, and I, I think that we even bring this into our Christian world. You know, if if everything is going well with me, then God likes me. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I look at the Apostle Paul when when he met Jesus on that road. The fellow who came over to help him was told, "I will show him," meaning Paul, Saul. I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake, mm. you know? And it's like, I don't like that part. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, you know, I like the taking up the cross and the follow on me. I, li- I like all the blessing. But there is there is a blessing in the middle of the struggle. Uh, talked with a, an author yesterday who, a big country music star, Granger Smith, whose three-year-old uh, passed away a few years ago. And it led to this huge change in his life of really drawing closer to God, giving up the country music and moving toward going into ministry. And I asked him that question about sovereignty. How do you deal with that? And he said, well, I believe it. Mm. (laughs) I believe God is sovereign. At the same time, I really am still hurting through this whole loss. So the Christian life does not shelter you from pain, but it allows God to redeem it. It allows God to say, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. I trust him even when I don't have the capacity. And this is, you know, with this disease, it is said to be the long goodbye. How can a good God allow this kind of thing to happen? And what you see in the story and what I've heard in other people's stories is, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the comfort of God is seen in the middle of the goodbye, in the middle of all of that struggle. And uh, that's what I hope people take away from it. Mm. Okay. Talking with Chris Fabry just about this this issue of this long goodbye and this new book. And, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia affect everyone around this character of Grayson. So tell us about his wife, Charlotte, and how she struggles, because that's what many of our listeners yeah. are dealing with. They're the family members. That's Lottie. Well, and, and I just saw it with Jim. You know, Jim was the one who would always... Uh, toast at the wedding. And he'd always, mm. he's very eloquent. And his wife got up and she said, I am not a, in front of people. I don't like to do this. But 
Jim can't do it anymore, as you all know. You know, she told the uh, people there uh, he has Alzheimer's. And so she had to take over for him. She had to do all of that planning. And I'm sure that she got help from other family members. But you could just see the stress and the struggle. She has to carry not only her load, her half, but his half as well. And then anticipate. Alzheimer's is the thing that you have to anticipate three moves down the road. I've got to plan this and that and the other thing in order to figure out, to, to keep everybody safe and to keep you sane. So it is this insidious thing, and yet in the middle of it, Lottie finds grace. And there's a, there's a doctor, uh, Ed Shaw, helped me with this, uh, who wrote the book with uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, Keeping Love Alive as Memories Fade. Mm-hmm. And his wife went through Alzheimer's. So he walked that trail. But I use this doctor to say, what if we let Grayson forge his own path here? Because uh, he wants to write this story and write this wrong and solve this murder mystery back f- from where he comes from. What if we allow him to lead us here rather than us trying to corral him And so they have to come up with a plan to do that, to let him go back to the place of his youth, to stir up a lot of these memories and a lot of the hard relationships that he doesn't know, he can't remember, they're back there. So uh, that's as much as I can tell you. Oh, that's fine. You're hearing the voice of Chris Fabry talking about his book called Saving Grayson, which is available beginning today. And Chris, I'm just going to ask you, did writing this story change you at all? I I can point down to the concrete slab right over here <laughs> from where I'm sitting. I'm in Tucson. I it it wrung me out. It it just um it I laid face down on that concrete slab saying I cannot tell this story. I can't do it mm-hmm. justice. And when you come to the end of yourself, you're in a good place because that's where God can kind of uh fill in the the missing parts and places. And so I think through that crucible and through, actually, I found myself losing my, you know, other things in the memory. I was identifying with him because he couldn't remember this and couldn't remember that. When you get that close to a character that you start picking up traits of him or her, then you know, you know, you're really into the story. Uh, and one of the things that I, I really regret is that my mom passed away last August. And I was still in the middle of writing that story. And she, every Sunday, she would, I would call her and we'd have the conversation. She'd ask me, how's Grayson doing? Tell me about Grayson. <laughs> and I'd tell her about the story. And so since she passed away, she, you know, obviously she's not going to be able to, uh, be, be able to read that story or hear me read it. I would send her the audio version of it. And, uh, but there were parts of Grayson that came from my mother's struggle at 95 of her dementia and her, the, how persnickety she was and how she wouldn't give up the car keys and all of that, um, that, that you, you see glimpses of her in the middle of this as well. Mm. Wow. And as you have finished writing, this book is out today. What email are you hoping to get from one of the readers? I've already gotten one. I, I got one from a fellow in Michigan who got an early version of this who said, let me tell you about my grandfather. Let me let me tell you about what our family went through and how much love 
was shown to him when he couldn't return, he couldn't reciprocate it. That's what I, I really hope I get an e- another email like that from somebody who said, this has been the hardest thing that we've gone through, but I see in the telling of this story how God has met, her, has met us here. And I also hope I get the email from somebody who says, I've been keeping my distance from the family of you know the person who's suffering, and I don't want to intrude, and I don't know what to say. And you know what? Just just move toward them. Move of uh, move toward the person, especially for the person who's the main caregiver. If you can do something for that other person, I think the story would be worth it to me. Wow, you're hearing the voice of Chris Fabry. And Chris, as we're wrapping up our time with you, I'm just going to ask one more question. It's actually part of the conversation you and I began backstage here before we went on the air, talking about how powerful fiction can be in stories like that, different than a true-to-life story. And you were starting to unpack that for me again, but but you think that it has a way of actually getting in a little bit deeper. Could you share those thoughts? Well, when I read a story, uh, the, the, the Hemingway talked about this, that your job as a writer is to bring the person into that story so that it, it is not the story being told. You are a part of it. So my hope is that when people read a good piece of fiction, and, and I hope mine is, that they will feel a part of it. They mm-hmm. will identify with Grayson, but they'll also identify with Lottie and the people who love Grayson, and also the people who don't like him, because there's some people like that out there as well who have mm-hmm. these, you know, really struggle with him because of the, the, some of the choices that he's made in his past, and that it will get so deeply down in there that you are rooting for him to figure this out in his life. And for them to be able to love them, that you find that you are a part of it, that you're a part of that story. Um, And I could give you book after book after book that I felt that way about that I've read, you know, when I was back from when I was a child to today, that it it knocks at the back door of your heart in a way that uh, a nonfiction book can't get there. Um, And that's the that's the power of fiction. 